0: You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Ford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hey, this is Lee, Bible in Real Life, and today I want to invite you to an overview and an orientation to the Bible. You'll be able to understand it a bit better and you'll be able to read and have a better idea of what's going on after you listen to this podcast. Let's go! Okay. (laughs) Is that where my theme music is supposed to go in? I think I played my theme music at the beginning. (laughs) But anyway, hello, welcome. This is Lee Fuller and you're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast. I'm super excited to have you here and I really hope that you will Take this opportunity to really get that orientation that's needed to help you understand the Bible. But before I say that, are you following us on TikTok? Because that TikTok community is growing and we are dropping videos daily, about five times a week. I'm over there talking about different things we're reading and studying. So if you would like to know more about what the Bible teaches and how you can apply it to real life, then make sure you're following us over there on TikTok. Next! I want to talk about um, uh, some of the other things that we got going on. I am excited because I'm putting together a little devotional plan to help us understand and know what's going on um, and actually give us a framework for how to study the Bible, how to have our devotional time. We believe here that devotional time is so important and I want to give you a little strategy on perhaps how you can go about having a consistent and a valuable time with the Lord. So if that's something you're interested in finding out more about, head over to devoblueprint.com. That's devoblueprint.com. And you'll be able to uh, see what uh, what we have over there waiting for you. All right, so today I wanna get into a little bit of a Bible orientation, right? Now, some of you may already know this, and some may not. So, I want to make sure that uh, I cover it. And if you know it, then, you know, accept your golden sticker. And if you do not know it, then you've learned something new. And this has been a valuable um, uh, way to spend your day. Okay. So, when studying the Bible, there is a little bit of uh, just kind of facts and details that we want to understand. So, number one, um, the Bible itself claims to be God's word. All scripture is God breathe, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So, and I believe we've talked about this before from 2 Timothy, but God claims authorship of his word. He said, It's God breathed. I'm the one that spoke the words and empowered people. So, first <clears throat> first i do want to highlight this because i talk to some people sometime and they will say how can the bible be god breathe if it had human authors right and I, i kind of want to address this so when god does something on the earth many times he uses people to do it now don't be confused when you read the bible you'll see that God has control over donkeys. God said, if you if you don't follow me, then the rocks could cry out, right? So God has absolute authority and rule over everything, but he chooses more times than not to use people, right? So God used human authors and this should be encouraging to us, right? Because that means God uses human beings to do his work, to... Um, to share his words, right? So he did use human authors. And what's interesting is God used people from different types, right? So sometimes he used farmers, right? Amos was a farmer. Sometimes God uses scribes, those that were authors. He used Ezra and different ones. God used political leaders like Moses and Joshua to lead the nation. God used a regular, ordinary fisherman like Peter. Right, God uses His family members like James or Jude. So, um, it's important to know that when God wants to get a message to the world, He used human authors. And I believe today, when God wants to encourage each other, when God wants us to um, to be a light before the world, He continues to use human people. So, I don't see a contradiction between, hey, if it's God's word, then why are there human authors, right? Because God throughout history has been using humans to um, say what God's word says. It's kind of like God is behind the scenes making sure that his word is what's being taught. Think about this. The Bible used over 40 authors right? God used over 40 different authors throughout the period of time to share his word that we have compiled into the Bible. Over 1,500 years of human history, God used people in each generation, right? And I believe that God wants to use you in this generation. Now, um, I believe that the word of God, the Bible has been complete, right? So, um, We don't have to worry about, hey, I need to add another book to the Bible, the the collected canon of scripture. I believe that canon is closed, right? But we can use, um, God can use us to share the words that he's already already given to his people and the apostles, right? So so that's one thing. The next thing I want to uh, go through by way of organization, it's kind of, how is the Bible organized, right? Um, there are two testaments, right? or Also, another way to look at testaments is the idea of contracts. So the Bible is really grouped into two contracts, what we call the Old Testament, which is the first contract that God made with his people, and the New Testament, which is uh, the second contract or fulfillment of the first contract. So when you're looking at the Bible, you uh, it's, it's helpful that you understand that the way God interacted with people in the Old Testament or the old contract was in relation to the laws of Moses, right? And the way God interacts with people in the new contract is because Jesus fulfilled the old contract, he ratified or instituted the new contract. So now... It's not by the laws of Moses, it's by the relationship with Jesus Christ. And these are taught um, and, and reminded and expounded on in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So that'll help you understand some of the organization of the Bible. There's the old contract and the new contract. Now you may say, Lee, hey, should I pay attention to the old contract? Now that there is the new contract, Um, Yes, because the new was built out of the old, right? And the old was a precursor or a setup for the New Testament, right? So if you understand the Old Testament, then it really helps you as you transition to the New Testament. And if you read the New Testament, you understand, oh, this is a outworking of the Old Testament. So it is important that we have both right And galatians uh galatians chapter 2 talks about uh i believe galatians chapter 3 it said that um he sh- god is showing how the old testament was um uh he didn't how do i say it god had the whole plan in place and he kind of revealed it in old in a old covenant and a new covenant right hopefully i didn't confuse you with that but i want to give you some Um, just some organizational tools, right? So the Bible is um, written by over 40 authors over a period of 15, 1,600 years, okay? There are two testaments or two contracts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are 39 books. In the Old Testament, there are 39 books. And in the New Testament, there are... Um, 27 books, right? Um, so New Testament, you got the 27 books of the New Testament and these together make the 66 books. Oh, I got to pull out my calendar uh, my calculator. I believe I have right 39 plus 27 equals 66. Boom, all right? So there are 66 books in the Bible. But here is uh, a way that you can help understand it. The Bible is, okay, here you go. Um, the our word Bible, right? is from the Latin word Biblio, which means books. So if you look behind me, I have 66 books placed on my little bookshelf for this example. I have 66 books placed on there, right? So think of the Bible, as a bookshelf with 66 different books. Some books are larger, some books are smaller, right? And if you continue with the idea of the library, there are different sections of the library. So when I read certain sections of the library, uh, there are certain expectations of what I expect to find in the books. This is really going to help clarify some things for some people. So if you look at the Bible, not just as one bu- one book, right? Because when I first started reading the Bible, I started at the beginning and I was like, okay, I'm reading the beginning and I keep going, I keep going. And then I read through the middle, keep going. Okay, okay. Wait a minute. Now I'm no longer in stories anymore. Now it's kind of like poetry. Well, that's kind of different. And then I go and I keep reading. I'm like, well, this is mentioning a king that I read over in Kings, but now this Isaiah talking about it. So it's like, what? It was a little confusing to me. So if you understand that the Bible is grouped into sections of the library, right? And here are the genres that are in the Bible. So you got the law books, right? Uh, that's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are considered the law. And in the law, it makes sense that we see a little bit of the history. We see the covenant or the contract that God makes with Moses and the children of Israel, right? We see a uh, Levitical law, which is, hey, here is the contract or here are the, the guidelines, the constitution, that's a good word. Here's the constitution for the people of Israel. Hey, um, they've constituted a priesthood. They've constituted, hey, here is how um, you are to walk in daily life. Here are the rights. Here are the privileges that you have, right? So if you look at it, oh, wait a minute. That's why when I read through Leviticus and I'm I'm hearing these specific details, whatever, I'm like, man, this seems unnecessary or this seems very detailed. Well, contracts are detailed, right? The particulars, I have a home insurance. I had to repurchase home insurance. Don't ask why. Companies left Florida. But um, when I read the contract, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not the most exciting reading. (laughs) So sometimes when we're reading in Leviticus and we're reading contract law, um, it's like, okay, this isn't the most exciting reading, right? But it's a part of the law. Okay. I hope that helps you understand Deuteronomy, right? They're telling a little bit of what's going on. And Moses continues to say, Hey, here's the contract. God promises to do this. If you do this, God promises to this, if you do this, right? Oh, so now the law will help us understand, uh, understanding that the first five books are the law. It helps you understand, okay, I'm reading law genre. The next uh, set of uh, books in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is the history books. Right. So Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job's, uh, Esther. Um, so from Joshua to Esther, these are history books. Now, if you want to see the story of the nation of Israel, read Joshua through Esther. Okay, because that tells about um, when they conquered the land and how there were judges in the land and how there became to be kings in the land and what this king did and that king did and that king did. <clears throat> so this is really the story, the history of the people of Israel all the way through captivity and all the way on the other side of captivity. When you get into Second Chronicles, you start to see, hey, these genealogies are in here again. Why? Because now they've come out of captivity and they're reestablishing, hey, here's who you are. Here's what tribe you're connected to. And then they rebuild the city. So we're in uh, Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra. They rebuild the temple, right? So it's like, oh, now I understand why there are more stories. This is where we have David and Goliath. This is where we have Saul and Samuel and Solomon, right? okay, I'm reading the history books. So now I understand why there's a story and there's these different names and different people, right? So there's the law, there's the history, and then there's these poetry books, right? These wisdom literature. So when you're reading Proverbs, it doesn't read like a story. It doesn't read like a contract. It reads like poetry. There's figurative language, right? When we're reading the Psalms, It reads like figurative language. The Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What? That's that's poetry, okay? Oh, so as I'm reading Ecclesiastes, which is a longer form of wisdom literature or poetry, when I'm reading Songs of Solomon, oh, this is a love story. This is a poem and they're showing, oh, this is how the relationship, many believe that it's a, it's a love letter as an allegory, right? All these are literary um, mechanism. These are literary features of poetry, right? And then there's the books of prophecy, right? So uh, after Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, right? Which are the poetry books. Then there's the prophecy books. Oh, so these are the prophets. Now, as I'm reading through the prophets, the prophets kinda sound like poetry and they kinda sound like history, right? But they are telling, um, here's what's gonna happen. Hey, here's what you guys are doing and here's the results of that. So there's prophetic literature uh, where the prophets are coming out saying, here's what the Lord says and here's what's gonna happen. Okay, got it, all right? But it makes sense now when I'm reading Isaiah, when I'm reading Ezekiel, because um, what part of the Bible is this? Well, in Isaiah, for instance, it'll say that Isaiah prophesied during the time of um, Uzzah and Jotham and Hezekiah. Oh, wait a minute. I read about them in the history. So now you can say, oh, this prophetic literature was happening here. And when I read about Uh, Elijah and Elisha, how they're talking to Ahab and Jezebel. Well, where's Ahab? Oh, hold on. (laughs) There's not a book of Elijah. (laughs) It's actually told in the, uh, during the time. So it's actually told in the Kings. Sorry about that. Um, But Jeremiah, Ezekiel, right? Um, Amos, Hosea, these... Prophecy books, this prophecy genre are telling a little bit of what happened during the history section, right? Because think of it like this, the prophecy are kind of like the newspaper. Here's what's happening during this times in history. Hopefully that makes sense. And then we get into the New Testament, right? So Malachi is the last um, prophecy book. And then we get into the New Testament. New Testament starts with the Gospels. Now the Gospels are interesting because we don't really have um, this genre in the United States or in English. I guess it'll be more of autobiography, not an autobiography, a biography, right? It's telling the life of Christ. Because if you read Matthew, you're like, okay, Jesus is born, got it, got it, got it. Jesus lived the life, he did miracles, and then he died. Okay, so what happens next? And you go to Matthew, Mark, you go to Mark, and he'd be like, oh, okay, Jesus begins preaching, he does miracles, he gets crucified and dies. Oh, okay, well, let me go to Luke, right? What happens next? I go to Luke, and I read about Jesus' uh, death, I mean, his his um. Be, I read about John the Baptist and Jesus being born and Jesus having a great life. And just like, what is going on? Well, these gospels are autobiography, not autobiography. They are biographies essentially about Jesus. So, oh, the story isn't continuing. It's just four different perspectives, four different biographies to tell about the life of God, of life of Jesus. Oh, okay. Got it. So Then we go into another history book in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Now, Acts tells all the way from Jesus's resurrection to um, the early part of the church to the ministry of Paul, which lasted for years. So this tells the history of the early church. Okay, got it. Now it's starting to make sense. Now I'm reading history. So if I wanna see what's happening in the early church, I can read Acts to see the acts of the apostles because Acts talks about Jesus. It talks about um, Paul. It talks about Peter. Right? It talks about what Peter and John were doing. And then there are the letters or the epistles. After the books, Book of Acts, you got Romans, First Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? First, Second Timothy, First, Second Titus. But no, first, first, second, Timothy, Titus, all right, um, Philemon. So these are letters that Paul wrote. Paul was a great apostle in the New Testament, and he wrote letters along his traveling. So if you want to see the traveling that Paul was doing, you read Acts, and then you'll see that he stopped in the uh, province of Galatia, he stopped at a church at Ephesus, he stopped at a church in Corinth. And then he would write letters to these churches, right? Oh, these are the letters. These are the epistles, got it, right? But Paul wasn't the only one that wrote letters, right? So the Bible collects the rest of these um, general epistles. So you got Hebrews, you got um, 1st, 2nd Peter, you got James, you got John. So guess who wrote 1st, 2nd Peter? Um, So Peter or... It's about what Peter was teaching, right? What James was teaching, what John was teaching, right? Oh, so now this is a letter not specifically to specific places like Corinth or Ephesus or not to specific people like Timothy or Titus or Philemon. This was written to the general church. So instead of naming a city, it was named after the person whose teaching it was, right? So Paul wrote Romans to Romans, right? And then they spread it around. Well, Peter is named after the teachings of Peter, not to who it was going to, but to the whole church body could read the teachings. Here's what Peter the apostle was saying. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus is saying. Here's what Jude is saying. Okay. Oh, now I'm beginning to understand what the Bible is all about. And then there is another prophecy book or um, apocalyptic book called Revelations, right? And now Revelations tell, okay, here is what's happening during this time and what will happen in the future, just like the prophecy book did in the Old Testament. So I'm hoping this overview of scripture allows you to see, wait a minute, if I know what genre I'm reading, now I understand more what's going on. If I understand that I'm reading the law book or a history book or a poetry book or a prophecy book or an autobiography, which is the gospels, or a letter which was written to a group of people, you know, or general letters which was written to the body of Christ as a whole, I can look and I say, oh, now the Bible is starting to make sense. I hope this is making sense and thank you for listening today. I'm going to do another one where I continue talking about some of this Bible orientation and we're going to do some question and answer because some people may be asking, hey, why are there different translations? Hey, why are there, um, why do do we have um, various translations? Um, What's another question that I want to answer? I want to answer another question like, hey, um, is there a different God in the Old Testament versus the New Testament? And how do they correlate a little better? So we're gonna talk through some of that. So make sure you stay with us and follow us next time on the Bible in Real Life Podcast. This is Lee Fuller. I hope you have learned something today and are enjoying what? we are covering because this is bible in real life and our goal is to make sure you understand god's word so you can apply it into daily life all right this is lee i talk to you next time all right bye